Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Yes, well, good morning, friends, Church for All Nations, family. I am so excited to be here with you today. My name is Pastor J.F. Wilkerson, and I want to welcome you to our Church for All Nations live worship gathering here online, wherever you're watching from. Uh, We just want to say thank you for spending part of your Sunday with us. It's such an honor and we're humbled uh, that you would entrust us with your gathering right now as we worship together. If you're with your loved ones, some friends, maybe you're alone, wherever you're at, I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit connects us even through a virtual platform. So love every one of you. Hey, we're continuing our series today entitled Stranger Stories. Stranger Stories. It's the month of October. People are interested in strange, strange stories. Let's just be honest. And so today, uh, we're not pulling away from what culture is interested in. We're leaning in, and, but on a, maybe, maybe a different approach than maybe how culture is viewing this time we're actually going to be looking at Scripture. And we've actually been uh, in this series the last uh, couple of weeks, and we've been looking at stories in the Bible that on face value, at face value, can seem a little odd, a little strange. And we've looked at different stories. Last week, we talked about Yael and, and the power that she held in her hand. And, you know, some of these stories can be graphic. Some of them can be confusing. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about some bears that mauled a bunch of little kids. I mean, there's some stuff in Scripture uh, that can be kind of strange. But let me remind you, everything in Scripture is God-breathed, and it's there for a reason. And even in the strange, we can find application for our own lives as followers of God. And so today I want to look at uh, a story out of the Old Testament in the book of Numbers, starting in chapter 22. If you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 22. And before we read the scripture, I want to give you a little bit of foundational context, if you will, that will help shape what we're about to read. In fact, before I even do that, I want to give you the title of my sermon today. Since we're talking about the strange, I've been having a few strange sermon titles. Today, this one is called The Donkey and the Dialogue. The Donkey and the Dialogue. And we'll get to that in a second here because it's a a strange story. But Numbers chapter 22, let, let me give you a little bit of context here. Numbers is the historical uh account of the children of Israel wandering through the wilderness. We find this uh, as the fourth book in the Torah, if you will, in the Holy Bible, the book of Numbers. And, and you know, we've, we've read up until this point, the Israelites have left slavery in Egypt, and now they're headed to the promised land. Uh, several weeks ago, we were in a series on the life of Joshua. So some of you that have been uh, walking with us, you can refer back to that. But here they are in the wilderness. They're wandering around. Uh, At some points, they are complaining. At some points, they're victorious. At some points, they're just all over the place, right? And uh, as they go, Moses is leading them. And and, 
uh, Moses, through his leadership and the direction of the Holy Spirit, uh, Israel is conquering her enemies. And as we get up to Numbers chapter 22, what you find out is, is that these Israelites are getting closer and closer to the promised land. And uh, in Numbers chapter 22, there's a, uh, an enemy king named Balak. He's the king of Moab, the Moabites. And he has heard what this nation called Israel has been up to, how Israel has been conquering every enemy that comes in her way. And this is upsetting to him. He, he, he's afraid. And so what does he do? Well, he begins to plan. He knows that they're coming and they're coming for him. And so with that, what does he do? He calls his allies, right? And he says, hey guys, uh, I can't take out this army on my own. I want to see if you want to join with me and we can kind of start discussing what we're going to do. And so what did those other uh, leaders do of those other enemies of, of Israel? They got together and said, yeah, what are we going to do? And they came up with this plan to have a prophet, some consider this man a sorcerer, if you will, named Balaam, curse, place a, a, a curse on the Israelites so that they couldn't defeat the Moabite people. And so they're, 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 they're devising this plan. In fact, historians say that the Israelites numbered over two million people. So you can only imagine as that King Balak stands over his kingdom, looking down uh, into that massive valley, over two million Israelites, and he's, he's trying to figure out, what am I going to do? These guys are about to take us out. And so he comes up with this plan. And so what he does is he sends out some officials from Moab to get in contact with this sorcerer named Balaam to see if perhaps uh, he would curse the Israelites. And that's where we pick up here in Numbers chapter 22, starting in verse 7. This is what Scripture says as we start this sermon today entitled, The Donkey and the Dialogue, this strange story. Scripture says, The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking them the fee of divination. That word divination uh, translates better to, to uh, to uh, fortune telling. They were taking this money to the sorcerer named Balaam, this prophet, and they were going to pay this prophet named Balaam money to, to cast a spell, if you will. Scripture says, when they came to Balaam, they told him what King Balak had said. Verse 8, spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite officials stayed with him. Now look at verse 9. This is what scripture says. God came to Balaam and asked, who are these men with you? Now let's just stop right there because I find that very interesting. An all-knowing God who already knows the answers is is literally responding to Balaam with a question. And that's the first lesson that uh, I want to share with you from this story today. And that is, if you're taking notes, write this down. When God asks a question, he isn't looking to get insight, he's looking to give it. 
Let me say it again. When God asks a question, we see God responding to Balaam with a question. He's, he's not responding with a question to get insight from Balaam, right? He, he's doing something more. He's looking to give perspective to whoever the person is that he's wanting to give it to. God often asks questions as ways to help us recognize and respond what's going on internally. Now, this principle, we've seen this played out since the beginning of time. Remember in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, uh, God comes to Adam after Adam has sinned, and he asks Adam, where are you? Another question he asks Adam, he says, uh, uh, who told you you were naked? Do you, do you remember this in Genesis chapter 3? God says, where are you at, Adam? Like, like he didn't know where he was at. Here's Adam in hiding. And, and, then, and then as you read on, Adam says, well, you know, we're, I'm naked. And God says, wait a second, who, who, who said you were naked? In fact, he even, he even mentions it to Eve. He says, he says, Eve, what have you done? And what's fascinating here is that Adam and Eve, here they are in hiding from God. They're ashamed of their sin. God knew the answers to all the questions he asked them, but his questions gave Adam and Eve the opportunity for self-introspection. Now, now this is, this is a, uh, a method that God uses all throughout his scriptures. In fact, maybe he's even used it with you. And for Adam and Eve, this worked. In fact, it coaxed them out of hiding back into relationship with him. And I love the lesson here because it reminds us that even in the depths of our sin, God's point is always grace. We, we serve a God that at your worst, at the worst, he still offers you a way out. And sometimes he uses this method of asking a question knowing the answer the whole time so that it gets you thinking about what's really going on. So when God asks a question, he isn't looking to get insight. He's looking to give it. And we see this playing out right here in this story. Let's go back to the story. God answers Balaam plainly in verse 12. Look what the scripture says. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. This is God's direction. Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. What, what people? The Israelites. So, so just, just to rehash, Balaam is approached by these Moabite officials. They got cash in their pockets. Hello. And they say, hey, for some money, would you put a curse on God's people, the Israelites? And Balaam already knows the answer to this already. But he says, let me go, let me go see what God has to say about it. So God comes to him and he says, don't do it. God gives him the answer. But what happens? The Moabite officials go back and Balak says, go on back there and see if maybe he'll take a little bit more money. So the Moabite officials come back after they had already seen the answer given to, to Balaam by God that he was not going to do business with them. What happens next? It's fascinating to me. Balaam says, 
I'll go check with God one more time. <laughs> now, now I, I know as you hear that, you're probably appalled to think that Balaam would do such a thing. But let me tell you right now, I have been subject to that in my own life. I have made that mistake in my own life. And I'm sure many of you have made that own mistake in your uh, own life. And, and it's fascinating because the Lord gives in to Balaam plea, in, into Balaam's plea. Essentially what Balaam was saying was, man, this is some good money here. <laughs> Can we at least dance a little bit, right? And so he says, well, let's just see what the Lord says in Numbers 22. Look at verse 20. Scripture says that that night came, that night God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to, you, come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Essentially, God says, fine, <laughs> like, okay. And this is really the second lesson that you can take away from this story, and that is just because the Lord allows, it does not make it his will. Now, this is so important. Just because God allows you to do something, that doesn't mean that that's what he wanted or intended for you in the first place. This is a huge component here to this story and to our own lives, meaning just because God says, fine, do it your way, JF, it doesn't mean that that's what he wanted for me from the beginning. And I meet with people all the time that at the end of our conversation, my diagnosis is that they applied this to their lives in that they somehow kind of decided to talk God into what they already had planned for them and it played out poorly. Now, now maybe, maybe you can relate to this illustration a little bit more. You know, uh, a few years ago, my now nine-year-old daughter, uh, she, she was probably, I don't know, maybe six years old, and we're big Washington State Fair people. Now, I grew up in this part of the country. I, I still call it the Puyallup Fair, okay? So, so we, you know, we, we, we are Puyallup Fair people, and uh, by the way, that was hard missing it this year, wasn't it? Oh, I was like, it's September. What am I? Oh, anyway, um, but a few years ago, we were, we were at the Puyallup Fair, and my daughter Izzy is like a daredevil kid. Like she, she likes to push, push it to the limits, you know? And at the time, she was only, I don't know, maybe like that, and maybe a little bit taller, maybe like that. But I can remember she had her, she had her eyes fixed on some of those roller coasters at the fair. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Not just any of the roller coasters. Specifically, you know the, that big one that's like made out of wood? You know what I'm talking about? That big gnarly one? That thing's been running since I was a kid, right? And she had her eye on, on that one, right? And she would not leave it alone. She's like, Dad, I want to, that's the one. That's the one. We're going to do that. And I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea, Is That's a that's kind of a big roller coaster, and let's be honest, I didn't, I didn't even want to go on it, okay? But, but she was just like, Dad, we got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. I'm like, no, let's go over to Kitty Land over here, right? That's for babies, you know, that whole thing. I want the big wooden one, right? I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't feel, and, and so literally, and she just, and if you know my daughter Izzy, she will, until, until she will just wear you out, right? Until she gets her way, and she does it very, most of the time, very respectfully like respectively, but like, you know, it's, anyway. 
So it's like now afternoon, dad, big roller coaster, dad, big roller So I said, fine. And I, I went over to the ticket booth and dropped down $78. Isn't it crazy how these rides are so expensive? It wasn't that much, but it just seemed like a lot of money. And anyway, so we got the tickets and she's just like, yeah. And I'm like, is, I don't think this is a good idea. Like this is this is not your age bracket yet. You're not going to, come on, Dad, come on. Yeah, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. I'm t- and you already know where we're going with this. We, we, get on, we get on that thing, and, it, and it's, cli- you know what I'm talking, it's climbing that thing, it's wood. And I'm like, I'm actually afraid for our safety. I'm like, this thing has been here for like 40 years, and here we are. And, and I'm just like, well, I'm going to go all in if this is what she wants to do. And so I just said, here we go. And I got my hand. I'm like, put your hands up. And I can, I'm looking over and her f- smile, like almost instantaneously flipped over to a frown. You know what I'm talking about? And the, her eyes and she's looking, you know, and she's like, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, isn't this awesome? This is what you wanted to do, right? Is and, and I'm telling you, we get to the top and that thing takes off. And I, I have never heard a six-year-old little girl scream and just, ah, and I'm, ah, right? And she's, ah, and now she's hitting dad, ah, dad. And now you're, hit, you know, you're hitting the corners. And so she's flying into you. And it's just like, ah, and I'm just like overdoing. I'm, ah, this is awesome. And I'm telling you, and she is screaming. But in fact, I, have, I had a picture, but she wouldn't let me show it because now she's nine and she's not afraid. But I got the proof, okay? And we find ah, and the whole thing. And we, you know, when you get to the, the back to the, where they let you out, ah, ah, and she's like, ah, and she is so mad. She's like hitting dad, right? I'm like, what? That was awesome, right? And she's like, ah. And what did she say? What did she say? She looked at me with tears in her eyes, mad, hitting me. She said, Dad, why did you want me to do this? Why did you want? And I said, Is, what are you talking about? I didn't want you to do this. You wouldn't stop bothering me about it. And so what did I do? I allowed, I finally just allowed her to do it. Dad, why did you, why did you make me do this? And man, I got to be honest, I've done this with God before. Maybe you can relate to this, where you had this idea, there was something that you wanted to do, maybe you even spent time with God, and you, you just sensed it in your life, like, this isn't, this isn't what he wants me to do, but, but you just kind of, ah, oh, God, you're in this with me, you, we're going to do, and then you told your small group, God and I are talking, you know, like, and I feel like this is what he, his will is for my life. And so then we go off and do it. And then what happens? We get, we get hurt. And then we go back to God and say, God, why, why did you, why did you, why did you want me to do that? God, what was that all about? Or I could take this in another direction. We can make this ultra spiritual where now it becomes like our testimony, Right? Like, I heard from God on this thing. No, you didn't, right? He didn't want you to do that. But now I went through it, and oh, it was, it was, and now, and we can like twist up this thing that God never intended for our lives to begin with. I want you to know today that God, he will allow things into your life based on your wanting it to happen, but Make no mistake, that was never his plan for you to begin with. And it can, 
it can be pretty scary how badly people can misconstrue this idea. And there's just one concept in Scripture that is terrifying to me above most others. And it's phrased a few different ways. If you look in Psalm chapter 81, verse 11 and verse 12, look what the psalmist says. Verse 11, Scripture says, But my people would not listen to me, and Israel would not obey me. So I gave them up to their stubborn ways to follow their own devices. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 24, but actually starting in verse 18, Paul is working to explain the idea of the wrath of God. And so that's kind of the theme that he's on. And and look what he says pertaining to that subject in verse 24. Paul says, therefore, now underline this this, this phrase, God gave them over in in the sinful desires of their hearts. So Paul says that they had these sinful desires and he goes on to talk a little bit about it sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things, uh, created things rather than the creator who created all things. So, so Paul says, you know what God did? Because they were, they, were, they were pursuing immorality and they had something on their mind that wasn't of God. God just said, my hands are off. Have at it. He gave, that was never, never his plan for them. It was never his plan for you. It was never his plan for me. But God, because he loves you so much, it almost sounds counterintuitive, because he loves you so much and that he's given you this thing called free will to love him back, right? He says, okay, my hands are off. And he allows things to happen in our life. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, component to this story because we see this being played out. Just because the Lord allows it doesn't make it his will. And, and the story goes on, Numbers 22. This is what scripture says. Verse 21. Balaam got up in the morning. He saddled his donkey and he went with the Moabite officials. Now look at verse 22. But God was very angry when he went. We we parents, we can relate to this in so many ways. When we've asked our kids to to do something or our kids are begging us for something over and over again and they, they can't get our heart for why we're not allowing it. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. And it's almost like we see this with God right now. And, and God said, okay, you can go, but I'm not happy about you going, Balaam. And so look what scripture says. God was very angry when he went and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Now look at verse 23. This is fascinating. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, It turned off the road into a field. 
So would I, by the way, if I was a donkey. Balaam beat it to get back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. So Balaam, obviously, he can't see the angel, but the animal, the donkey, can. And he's responding to the angel of the Lord that's standing in front of him. And Balaam just assumes that the donkey is doing donkey stuff. He's upset. And Balaam begins to beat on that donkey. Here's the third thought that I have as the band comes back. Here's the third lesson that we can take away from this story. And I want to sit on it here for a second. And that is, he is the God of another go at it. Write that down. We serve a God who is the God of another go at it. And this is where the story gets really strange. This is why I chose this this story to be in this collection of talks because this is where it gets strange. And in fact, I was going to tell it this part of the story, my own way. And I was going to do the, the JF version of this story. In fact, my wife even encouraged me to tell it like that, right? But I, I just finally said, look, I want to. But if I don't read it right out of the Bible, I don't think people are going to believe that this story is actually in the Bible. So just bear with me. I prefer just to read it so you can know that it came right out of Scripture, okay? And I'll add some of my JF stuff to it, okay? Verse 26 This is what happens. So here's the donkey and he's dodging this angel with the sword and Balaam can't see what's going on. And so now he's upset with the donkey because the donkey is embarrassing him in front of these enemy officials, these Moabites. Verse 26 says, Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam and he was angry and he beat it with his staff. So this is the third time this poor donkey's taken a beating. Verse 28, this is where it gets weird. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? So the donkey talks. What? But that's, that's just part of it. It gets better. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because Balaam just nonchalantly responds back to it. In verse 29, it says, Balaam answered the donkey, you made me a fool. <laughs> if only I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. That's funny. <laughs> The donkey says, what are you doing? Beat me up. And Balaam doesn't go, oh my word, my pet donkey talks. He gives him a reason why he's doing it. I don't know. That's hilarious. Verse 30, the donkey said to Balaam, there's, the conversation continues. Am I not your own donkey, which you've always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. It's just like, he's like, man, we've been, we've been traveling together a long time, friend. 
What are you doing to me? Verse 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. Just, just sit, sit on that for a second. There's been moments in my life where my eyes were shut. And I needed an intervention from God. If you know what I'm talking about. Like I needed my eyes opened. And scripture says that's exactly what happens here. It says the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. And so he bowed low and fell face down. This, this, this picture of humility, this picture of going, oh, yeah, no, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't the direction God wanted me to go. My eyes have been opened. His eyes were opened here. Verse 31, then the Lord, excuse me, verse 32, the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is, is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from, these, uh, turned away from, from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would have certainly have killed you by now, but I, wouldn't, I would have spared it. Verse 34, Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. He repents before God in this moment. He goes on to say, I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you're displeased, I will go back. Essentially, he's saying, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, I want to make it right. And man, whenever you come to God with that type of, of, of an approach, with that type of an attitude, man, he doesn't, he doesn't grab the stick out of your hand and hit you back with it. <laughs> it's not what happens here. Verse 35, the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. My friend today, he is the God of another go at it. In all of our mistakes, in our sin, when we've decided to do it our way, God still loves us enough to say, get up, daughter. Get up, son. You're forgiven. You have another go at it. This is the God that we serve in the midst of our sin. Although he may, re, may remove himself from stopping you from doing something, his heart is always for you to come back. In fact, the Holy Spirit in the midst of your sin has the power to be working on your heart in that moment. What does scripture say? While we were yet, yet sinners, Christ died for us. And there's an account of a famous leader in the Middle East during the ancient times who was known for his murder and his slaughter of Christians. And he would have been considered a terrorist today and he's traveling outside of Syria on a road that to this day is still called the road to hell and he's on his way with his group of executioners to murder and pillage 
and slaughter more Christians. And the same angel of the Lord that met Balaam on his road to destruction meets this terrorist by the name of Saul. And in that moment, he has this encounter with the Spirit of God. And there's this process of repentance and restoration to the point where God even changes Saul's name to Paul. He, 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 he gives him a new identity. And what's so fascinating about the life of St. Paul, who, by the way, went on to write and record most of the entire New Testament through his letters to churches, church planter, that while Paul was in the murdering business, the business of terrorism, the Lord was still working on his heart to the point that Saul, who now has his name changed to Paul, goes on to be the mouthpiece for God himself. We serve the God who gives us another go. And I think about the countless times in my own life where I've let, I've let him down. And God never turned his back on me. He never excommunicated me. He always said, son, get back up. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. I'm working on you. When God asks a question, it's for your benefit, always. He knows all things. He's not asking for fresh insight. He's asking because he has a nugget. He has a download for you, my friend. Just because the Lord allows something in your life, it, it doesn't always mean it's his will. It's not always his plan for you. And because he loves you so much, he'll allow you to walk in your own decisions. Even though it's not what's best for you. But what I love about that, that even, even when we take the wrong road, there's still redemption. There's still grace. Because we serve a God of another go at it. Come on, let me pray for you today, wherever you're at. As we close this time of worship and the reading and the application of God's word today, wherever you're at, I want to pray for you. I wonder if you're watching, maybe you're at home in your den or maybe you're sitting alone with your smart device somewhere and the Holy Spirit's working on you right now. Maybe, maybe there's been something that you've been pursuing or maybe it's just been a complete life direction that goes against God's best for your life. And I wonder today, as we read in this story where God opens Balaam's eyes, where, where God meets Paul on the road to Damascus, Syria. And temporarily, he shut, remember, he shut Paul's eyes, but essentially what he was doing was opening the eyes of his heart. Maybe right now, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing to you, my friend. Where, you, where you're, the eyes of your heart, like the, the place where you make your decisions, the, the, the place that 
compels or motivates you to do A, B, or C, that, that place where you feel like you have control of, maybe the Holy Spirit right now is saying, son, daughter, open up. Let me open up your eyes that have been closed. May the scales fall off because I have something better for you today. Maybe he's doing that right now where he's saying you've been going this way. This way is so much better. I, I wanna pray for you right now if that's you who's watching right now. And this is a moment where you can just say yes. <laughs> Balaam right in that moment, he repents. Like Saul, Paul, he repents and his whole life has changed. He goes on to live out the assignment that God had for him. In fact, some of you go, oh, well, it's, it's already too late in life for me. Paul, Paul didn't even start any of his Christian work. Many historians say not even until the age of 40 years old. All right. We read scripture, we read all throughout scripture of, of people late in their, in their senior years who just start different assignments. It's not too late. It's never too late. So right now, I want to pray for you. If that's you, you say, I, I want to say yes. I, wanna, I, want, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I feel like my own eyes are being opened right now. I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for my friend watching right now. If that's you, just say, Lord, I accept you. I believe in you. Jesus, come into my life. Expose the areas of my heart that that I need to make right. That I need to repent. In this story, we see Balaam. He like gets down on his knees very symbolically. He humbles himself. And so right now, Lord, for my friend, in, that, in this moment, friend, just humble yourself and say, Lord, come into my life. I've been going this direction. Give me insight. I, I, I want to do what you have for me. And God, that's my prayer for every person watching right now. It's the prayer for my own life. God, we make, we make mistakes from time to time. And Lord, you love us so much that you'll use even extreme measures to get us back on track. In this story, we read about a talking donkey. It's crazy. But Lord God, you, you, are willing, you are willing to go to the extreme for us. And that's what you did on the cross, Jesus. The most dramatic, the most selfless act of sacrifice, you laying your life down for us. So God, I pray for every person that's watching right now. Give them peace today. God, remind them that you direct our steps, that you guide us, that if we're willing to get spiritually, like we're willing to quiet ourselves, if we're able to tune out the noise that's all around us, you have great insight for us, direction. So God, I pray for every person watching right now today, Lord God, give them peace and hope and rest. God, we find rest in your grace. So God, we give you praise for this moment that we've had today. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. 
To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.